How do you make a vacation last? How do you hold on to the joy, the clarity, the calm? Easy. You go to Aruba. You'll spend your time relaxing on cool white sandy beaches and floating in healing blue water. You'll meet locals brimming with gratitude for an island that redefines what a paradise can be. You won't just feel great. You'll feel relaxed, renewed, and ready for life. That's the Aruba effect. Plan your trip at aruba.com. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. This is Larry H. Russell, host of Celtics Beat and author of Ball of the Boston Celtics. Thank you yet again for downloading the number one podcast on the web, which covers the NBA's winningest franchise, Celtics Beat. CLNS Radio truly values your patrons because of your loyalty to making Celtics Beat the most downloaded weekly Celtics podcast online. We would love to offer a free copy of my critically acclaimed book available at clnsradio.com slash book. That's clnsradio.com slash book. Happy reading and enjoy today's broadcast. Today is Sunday, December 18th, 2016. This is Celtics Beat on CLNS Radio, and I am Larry H. Russell. Stocking stuffed on this last Sunday before the Christmas holiday, episode number 188, which this week is being presented by Blue Apron Movement Watches and Audible. Get a free audio book with a 30-day trial period at audible.com slash try now. I'm going to tell everyone what's coming up here as we go along, so stay with us. But yes, three guests once again. Pre-game show for tonight's game down in Miami. We'll announce the winner for the Celtics Grizzlies tickets on December 27th sometime in this broadcast. Also, it's doubtful. I'll get to the mailbag here. We do have the three guests today, as I mentioned. So I'm going to move the mailbag to Monday. It gives everyone ample time to tweet your questions at me at CLNS underscore LHR or leave a message on Facebook. I'll leave a video of yours truly answering said questions at Facebook.com slash Beat. But like I said, I don't want to steal one breathing second from any of our esteemed guests that I have to. So really, without any further ado, batting leadoff, um, although that's not a good different sport. How should I do this? I definitely don't want to say first off the bench because this is no bench player, but this is someone who we would draw a game-winning shot up for, Stephanie Reddy of Fox Sports Southeast. Welcome back to CLNS Radio. Thanks. It's a pleasure. I was going to say, too, in the words of Doug Collins, give it to Steph and get the F out of the way. Of course, that's not really how it does. But, Steph, I was uh, a little disappointed (laughs) that Kemba didn't play Friday night because I talked with you before the game about the word that's been going around about Boston's defense, particularly their perimeter D. I I did see Coach Clifford before the game on the CLNS Radio YouTube channel refer to the Celts, you know, the best on-pall pressuring team in the game. But we just had Jack Armstrong here last week say that set aggressiveness can be taken advantage of and Unfortunately, actually, Friday night with, with that Hornets team without Walker, that just really wasn't going to be able to t- tell us anything of what Charlotte's guards could have been able to do. Yeah, it's tricky. Um, you know, obviously they missed Kemba Walker, um, but as Coach alluded to, Coach Clifford, before the game, when you have your best player absent for one or two games, you hope that you have enough to sustain your level of play without them. You know, an extended absence is different, but just one game, they were hopeful that they could still play Hornets-style basketball and come away with a win. Now, as far as that pressure defense, yes, it is very aggressive. 
Um, and it, it wasn't really a true test against the Hornets because, as you mentioned, Kemba was absent. Um, and, I, you know, I feel different ways about that. I think that it's tremendous because it really does get you out of what you're trying to do. It gets you out of your comfort zone. Um, I noticed that the Celtics really applied strong ball pressure with Nick Batum when he was well beyond the three-point range, meaning not even in scoring range. And, and I think they're going to do that based on personnel. A player like Nick Batum is not just a scorer. He is also a really good facilitator. He's got terrific vision on the court and the ability to pass the basketball. So applying ball pressure to him outside of the scoring range makes sense because he's got great vision and he can deliver a scoring pass. Um, we actually have a discussion about pressure defense and going for steals at this level. Uh, Dale Curry and Eric Collins and myself and the Deuce a game or two ago because some coaches don't believe in trying to go for steals. They, that's against their philosophy because they feel like that encourages you to gamble defensively, especially on the perimeter, that it gets you out of your rotation and requires a, a greater deal of help on the backside. And if you don't have a strong rim protector who can dominate the paint, then it's going to get you in a lot of trouble. If you do have a strong rim protector, then it's different. The gambling on the perimeter, it funnels them inside. If they don't get the steal and they're out of a rotation, out of place defensively, they've got someone there who is a shot blocker, and it's going to change the way the offense approaches the paint. So it, it just depends really, I think, on your personnel, on your philosophy as a coaching staff. To that game back on Friday, Stephanie, here with Steph Reddy of Fox Sports Southeast, Hornets color commentator. What do you think, changed, in your eyes, changed the game? Because it is good to get a little bit of a different perspective here. In the Boston area, everyone's all excited about Jonas Jarepko starting the second half. The Hornets, I believe, had 12 more shot attempts than Boston did in the first half. There was a big shift there in the, in the second half, really more so later in the game. But, I mean, in your eyes, from, from really the Hornets' outlook, I mean, what was it? Did you see something that worked there? Or maybe was it, was it just as simple as a, a more urgent Celtics team being at home, coming off some losses? I mean, what, what, what did you say? Yeah, I think being at home definitely helped. I mean, both teams were desperate. They had both lost three games in a row. And, you know, when you're trying to be a playoff team and, and a top your conference, you don't want to go on too long of a skid. And the Hornets have had this extended road trip, so they really are trying to turn things around. But it helps Boston being at home for sure. Um, I think what's going on with the Hornets right now is they're having a hard time converting. They're having a hard time making shots. Um, I don't mean, you know, really difficult ones. Even Chris Clifford has talked about the fact that they're missing point-blank layups. They're missing um, shorter shots in the paint for whatever reason. And, and when you look at the final box score, it illustrates it. I mean, the Hornets shot 20 more shots than the Celtics did, but their percentage was really low. It was less than 40% from the field. So when you're shooting more shots and that many more, 20 is quite a lot for a game. It, it means you're getting the shots that you want, supposedly. You're getting these open looks. Um, you're getting the attempt, but you're, they're just not falling. So you have to figure out how to change that. I hate to go back to this, too, as you mentioned about all the shots the Hornets missed, and I was going to really simply ask, I mean, is because it's going back to the Celtics' defense. When I watched the game Friday night, Steph, I thought Nick Batum had a very good game, especially considering uh, when you put it in relative terms to the years he's had, because it sort of jumped out at me when I was doing the pregame show on Friday that Batum's dipping a little bit this year. But it, was it really anything to that Celtics' defense? I look, you know, I thought, like I said, I thought Nick Batum had a good game. He was 6-19. Ramon Sessions it felt like he did a few things, but he he was like 5 of 16, I believe. Was it anything Celtics-related? Or I mean, it is a sort of a simple question of, was it more the Hornets or was it more the Celtics? But I, I guess I will sort of ask sort of in a simple way, was it more Charlotte or Boston there? 
Yeah, you know, and that's a tricky question um, because I feel like they both affect each other. You know, if you are playing really good defense, then obviously your offense will, will struggle, the opponent. Um, yes, Boston is a, is a good defensive team. They do a good job. Um, they've got great pressure defense on the perimeter. And in the NBA, most teams are perimeter-based. You know, most teams, their bigger scorers are going to be perimeter players. So it will impact their opponent for sure. Um, but I will say that the Hornets have been struggling here lately with shooting. Um, so, you know, it's, it's one of those which came first, the chicken or the egg. Is it because the Hornets just were ha- are having a bad shooting time, or is it because the Celtics defense is that stellar? I don't know. I, I, I can't answer that question. When I mentioned, too, when I was about doing the pregame show, it, it jumped out at me when I saw this Hornets team that when Kemba Walker wasn't going to play – it really sort of, like like I said, it, it, I'll use the phrase again, jumped out at me. I just said, my goodness, I, I, I don't see how it's possible Boston now does not win this game. Largely because I thought, you know, Boston was going to be pretty desperate. They got finally got back at home. They got Isaiah Thomas back after not having him for a few games. But I looked at the rest of the Hornets team, Steph, and, you know, Nick Batum and, and Marvin Williams, they look like they're noticeably worse than last year when they were in contract years. I mean... Is what are you seeing more so on a day by day basis? The Hornets did get out to a pretty good start, but is this a little bit of a worse team than last year? I don't think so. Um, I don't think so at all, actually. And, and you know, people always like to talk about contract years, and I think you have to factor into the equation that people are human. So obviously, you know, there's going to be a greater motivation for different reasons at different times, but. You mentioned they got off to a great start. I mean, they got off to the best start in franchise history, and I think that if people were declining, then it would have shown from the beginning. I think that the team and the fan base were very excited when the season started, not just because of the record, but because of how they looked, how they were playing. And then they started having injuries here and there to guys, and they haven't really been healthy. And I know that's not an excuse because that's what happens when you play professional sports. It's very rare that you're going to find a team that's completely healthy once the season starts. And even before it starts sometimes. Um, so that's not an excuse. They still understand they have to perform. But I would not um, attribute this four-game losing streak to players declining because they've already secured their contract. I mean, I think Nick Batum is a perfect example of the player that you can't necessarily evaluate his worth based on statistics that show up in the stat sheet because he is such a utility player. It's not just about his point. He. You can see in the game Friday night, he had 22 and 10, but he also had five assists, and he also had three steals. You know, his numbers will fluctuate because he performs based on what he feels his team needs that night. So, for example, if Kemba Walker is having one of his career nights scoring, Nick Batum is not going to take away from that. He is not going to start hunting shots to get his average up. He is going to start trying to get Kemba Walker the ball, whether it's because he's assisting him or because he's setting a screen to free him up, and if he does the latter, that screen does not show up in the box score. So I think, you know, stats are great, and believe me, I love looking at numbers and trends, but they don't always tell the whole story. So that that is sort of a confirmation on that because I watched Batum a little. That was sort of my really first good look at at Nick Batum. These two teams, they did play each other back on October 29th, and I I believe it or not, I I barely barely actually even remember. I totally forgot that they actually had a play, and that was a game where the Celtics sort of went nuts in the third quarter, but... 
you're telling me that Nick Batum sort of confirming is still having a very good year because he did have the you know the rough, not rough Olympics but not best Olympics and like I said forgive me I was sort of looking more so at the numbers statistically when I was doing the pregame show but he's still the same Nick Batum from last year or in and around that you know player definitely what about the rest of the Eastern Conference stuff because I do want to kind of like get you out of here with how bad the weather was been in the area you would having a rough night sleeping and you got finally got a good look at this uh Celtics team for the second time this year you have been watching the Hornets now uh for many many years but uh do you think any of these teams <laughs> these Celtics or and even the Charlotte can separate themselves this is the first you know we're at the first 25 games some teams have played about 27 I believe the Celtics are playing their 27th game tonight down in Miami most teams have played about 25 games this year well past the quarter mark Celtics, Hornets, really anyone else in the Eastern Conference besides Toronto and Cleveland, do you think Boston or Charlotte could separate themselves in the East? Maybe not be in that Toronto or Cleveland level, but at least sort of be in their own tear where there's a guaranteed second-round appearance in them. Because right now, I look at the East, it looks like Charlotte, Boston, Detroit, Milwaukee, all these teams, it's more predicated upon who they play in the first round, which basically means they're pretty much in and around the same team when it comes down to matchups. Are this, is this sort of one big match in the Eastern Conference? Or is there any potential in either of these teams to, you know, get pretty simply get better than what they have been thus far this year? Right, yeah. You know, it's interesting the way the Eastern Conference has everyone completely bunched up. I mean, before the season started, when you look at these teams, almost everyone, including myself, pretty much said, okay, it's going to be Cleveland and Toronto in the top two spots. And then good luck picking out three through ten. I mean, literally, you could drop from having home court advantage in the first round to being out of the playoffs because it could be that bunched up. And we kind of got a preview of that last year where you had several teams with identical records and had to go to tiebreakers for seeding purposes for the first round of the Eastern Conference playoffs. Um, I think we could find ourselves in a similar position this season. I do think, though, that Boston and Charlotte are going to eventually pull themselves away from the rest of the pack. That was what I predicted in the offseason. I thought that um, Cleveland, Toronto, Boston, and Charlotte would be the top four teams, and, and not in any particular order. I just thought that those four teams would eventually create some distance with the rest of the pack. Now, what we've seen so far, we're about a third of the way through the season. Um, what we've seen so far is nobody has pulled away. I mean, you even look at Toronto. You know, they lost Friday night to Atlanta, who had been struggling prior. So I think it's going to take – and even, you know, Coach Clipper actually talked about this briefly last um, on Friday night before the game in Boston. He said it's going to possibly take until teams have played 40, 45 games before you get to really see who they are because when it's early in the season, schedules will sometimes dictate records. You know, the Hornets haven't gone on a West Coast trip yet. You know, some teams have yeah, played a lot more road teams than home games. Right. So all and those Toronto teams has. factor in because – Exactly. So I think, you know, maybe 15, 20 more games when the schedule starts to balance itself out, so to speak, we'll have a better idea. But it's going to be tough. I mean, it is going to be tough going down the stretch if, if you cannot create distance between yourself and the rest of the pack in this Eastern Conference. Stephanie Reddy. Charlotte Hornets color commentator for Fox Sports Southeast. Thanks so much for joining us on CLNS Radio once again, particularly at this very early a.m. hour. And I hope you enjoyed the weather in Boston back on Friday. Not exactly, but <laughs> but thanks for having me on anyway. I survived it. <laughs>
In case you were wondering, I was being facetious with the weather there. Yes, for those of you who live outside of Boston, it, it's been miserable here the last few days. It snowed yesterday. It was supposed to get some warmer rain later today to wash it away. But holy hell, was it freezing cold on Friday when the Hornets were in town. I mean, maybe, I, I'm being serious, that could have contributed to the poor shooting by both teams that night. Seriously, it was that miserable of a day for anyone who was in the area. You heard that the crowd, too. The crowd was dead much of the game for a Friday night game. But, yeah, it was a weird game. I mean, you know, a lot of teams, when they lose a top player in an individual game, they may come out with a bit more energy, a team playing with house money, so to speak. Some other guys step up. Let's use a Celtics example. Just go back to that Orlando game in Boston's first game without Isaiah Thomas. Guys like Terry Ogier step up for one. But I was really interested to see the Celtics being challenged by another great guard. It's been the guard play of teams this year. Westbrook, Lowry, Harden. Yes, they're great players, the best in the game, but they've all gone off for 35-plus against the Celts the last week and a half. And, and that led to that observation by Coach Armstrong about Boston's overly aggressive blitzing D. I did a podcast with Celtics blog's Keith Smith back on Monday on the Celtics Newsfeed channel here on CLNS Radio, and he really affirmed Jack's theory, and I really wanted to see another challenge with Kemba Walker. And I talked to Steph before the game about that, and boom, he doesn't play. Um the serviceable Ramon Sessions started in his place, but serviceable uh, just really isn't going to cut it against a perimeter D that is as tenacious as the Celts's. But, uh, you know, can we give one more shout out again to our dear friend Stephanie Reddy, allotting us her time? She has had a crazy last 48 some hours, the life of a color commentator in the NBA in Boston Friday night, nearly froze to death like the rest of us here. Just got finished doing a game down in Atlanta a couple hours ago and now just gave us a few minutes here before she boards a late night or it's actually early a.m. technically. Uh, flight to Charlotte. Really, really appreciate Steph and, and, and everyone who week after week comes on. I mean, especially during the craziness of the NBA season and all the travel that they do. It's truly a testament to this audience that so many in and around the NBA value getting on this broadcast and speaking to the listeners of this podcast as much as they do. So, uh, of course, our way of returning the favor to the listener base that we have for being as supportive as, as it is. So we keep getting these great guests here is our monthly ticket giveaways. And this month's game, Celtics v. Grizzlies, on December 27th. Entry was done by purchasing a movement watch using our promo code mbmtwatches.com slash Celtics That saves you 15% off of movement watch. And then emailing me your receipt, re-received tons of entries this month. So many that because participation was as high as it was, we gave select entrants a free Blue Apron meal. So we thank everyone who participated. And like I said, crazy amount of participation for this contest. I think the reason is why is how popular these movement watches are. I mean, they're just an unbelievable product, but very high participation this month. But there was one winner, and that man's name was Kevin of Brockton, Mass. Kevin, congratulations. We have been in touch. You have your tickets. Enjoy the game. Or if you want, giving it to a friend or family member for Christmas or the holidays. We hope it goes well for them that night. Need a Celtics victory, but there's still a lot of basketball left between them. In fact, the Celtics played the Grizzlies uh, before even that, that game in Boston. But... A lot of basketball between then and much of this show, too. Mention how at the beginning I was kind of going to announce things as they go along here. Well, we've already done our featured guest segment. We announced our winners for the ticket contest. So what does that leave us? We have two more guest segments, a pregame show for Boston's game down in Miami. But coming up next... The return of ESPN's Chris Forsberg. Chris and I will bring back our Stats Busters segment, What of the Numbers and Advanced Analytics Represents Reality and What Does Not. Chris Forsberg coming up next. Let's pause five seconds for station identification. You're listening to CLNS Radio, home to the original Celtics podcast, Celtics Stuff Live. All right, welcome back into Celtics Speed. Larry H. Russell here. Over there is ESPN's Chris Forsberg. Welcome back. What's up? What's going down? I, I hope you weren't feeling left out. I've been leaving you in the bullpen a lot longer than usual. 
Uh, that's fine. I, I figured you were like waiting for them to get a win, which that's, felt that's like my eight actually, years. That's, gonna, that's my second baseball analogy of the morning here. So we cover the NBA, and here we go with baseball analogies. So. <laughs> I'll try to keep out all stolen bases references. With, yeah, we usually go to the wrestling analogies, but I don't want to mess yeah. around much time because we do have a little bit of a jam-packed show here, Chris. And we're going to be bringing back our Stats Busters segment. No better person to do it with than you because uh, let's get a little serious, too. I just want to get that out like before we get rolling here. So we're not going to have any of those, you know, like – in games, Kelly Olynyk's hair is in a bun, and Brad Stevens wears a blue tie. Whoa, and the, whoa, whoa, whoa! And the Dow's down a hundred points. Uh, you know what? The Celtics are three and one in those games. So, are, are you suggesting those are not actual real stats? Those are not relevant trends in my eyes. Uh, l- let me tell you, on Friday night, the Boston Celtics broke a three-game uh, losing streak, and Brad Stevens just happened to be wearing a tie. All right. Well. In all seriousness, Chris, let's kind of get moving along here. And the reason why I get you here is because you're the one that's really, uh, really ignited me to bring this segment back. And we'll start with this Twitter account here. And this gentleman tweeted from at ESPN Forsberg. <laughs> Ooh, I like that guy. On, on December 8th, uh, Jalen Brown actually tweeted out a nice big image so you know people can read it. Jalen Brown, 36% opponent field goal, effective opponent field goal percentage, I believe. So how much do you think that passes the eye test scale of zero to five? And yes, you get to use some decimal points if you want. I'm just one. I, I, I give this like three point seven hype trains out of five because uh, what it doesn't take into account is when Jalen Brown loses his man, and that happens pretty regularly. And you, you kind of give him a pass because he's a rookie and stuff like that. But it means when Jalen Brown stays in front of his man and plays sound one-on-one defense, he makes it tough for his guy to shoot. When he loses his guy and his guy just runs to the rim and gets an easy layup, it doesn't go into the it doesn't really count because you know he, he wasn't defending him technically there. So I don't put too much hype into it, but uh, it is encouraging that as he becomes a better positional defender, if if he learns to to stay in front of guys, uh, that's an encouraging number. He's making things difficult. Back to you again. This from December twelfth, right after the Thunder loss, which is when real things started to get really ugly. That that by the way, I got to make a real quick point on that one. Uh, that Thunder game was when I was just really concerned because I felt the Celtics played an A-minus game on the road against a team that played like a C game that was missing a bunch of free throws. Uh, Oladipo went out for an injury, yet it still came down at the very end with you know home court advantage and it's the other team having a closer. But So everyone was going crazy after that game. Back to you with this. As I stated, this from December on December 12th, you tweeted... The Celts are two and seven in clutch defeats to winning teams. Let's let's go to that. Uh, I would give that uh, five out of five hype trains because really, that's, all right, I can't jump on on this. You go ahead though. That's scary, right? Like you know, they, they haven't beat good teams, and I mean, the only one you can look at is they beat Charlotte twice, but. Charlotte's a 500 team at this point, you know, just just above. I mean, I know they're ahead of you in the standings on Friday night, but they didn't have Kemba, and, and you still had to work to win that one. Um, I, th- this is th- this is the concerning part to me. It's is is that they've hung around with a lot of good teams, but they haven't won. Now, I do think if you sit there and if you could run a thousand computer simulations, and based on the way the Celtics have played over the past month, they'd win a whole bunch of those games. And that it would probably even be like an astound. It, 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 instead of being whatever they were, uh, you know, thirteen and twelve, they would have been. I don't know, 15 and, and, and 9, whatever that works out to. But they, they haven't. And there's something going on in fourth quarters, and there's something going on in second quarters. and Something going on figure, in second quarters, I'll give you that one. 
I mean, second quarters are real bad. Like, people want to focus on the fourth. Like, oh, we've been talking about it here. I mean, ad nauseum on, on Steelers for the last month and a half. I mean, they, even Friday uh, night, another 18 points in the second quarter. They, they no, go figure, ahead. Back to the, yeah, go ahead. No, 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 but they got to figure something out with that. But, the, but they need the, better players it, yeah. on the court. That's what they need to figure well, out. Yeah. A little, well, little, that, that little easier too. said than done. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, the, 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 it is terribly concerning to me that they haven't beaten good teams. I mean, these the, the, these are the type of teams, and I guess you could say, well, Charlotte's a team they could see in the first round of the playoffs because the, the East is so crowded and they'll face a team like that. And yeah, sure. Uh, but uh, I'd like to see them beat a team that's one good and two healthy, and 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 actually be able to say, hey, look, we we had this signature victory. Uh, this, to me, I was talking about this about probably about three weeks ago. I actually want to give this one a 2.5 out of 5. Wow. You need to see, you need to see a, I think you need to see a lot more there because the beginning of the year, they were winning almost all of those quote-unquote clutch games. They were the best fourth-quarter team in the NBA. They were having, uh, right after the Minnesota game, I believe they were something ranked like third in terms of net rating, in terms of clutch situations. So you look back on it, and it's just, okay, oh, they were playing all a bunch of bad teams then. But at the same time, this team is, what, like a plus 1.6 point differential as of this Sunday morning? That's mm-hmm. pretty uh, – indi- in- that indicates uh, pretty well what their record is. So they were winning a lot of those games early on. They just so happen to be against lesser teams and losing teams. And losing teams on uh, December 18th is still – there's going to be a lot more changes. I said it then. I just said, you know, there are going to be – now – they seem, they've got the balls seem to bounce their way almost every time in the fourth quarter early on in the season. Eventually, it's going to go the other way, and that's really been highlighted over the last week and a half, two weeks. I, I also think that it could be a little bit of a regression from the means where at the beginning of the season, the only two games I believe they lost uh, where they could have won down the stretch were at Chicago, which is the second yeah. night of a back-to-back. Okay, you kind of forgive them there. And then there was that Pelicans loss, which was just a bad loss as is. But they they were exceptional in the clutch really up until about November 30-ish, ish, you know, first. My, my, even my actually only, through the counter, Sacramento. My counter to that is like, did you see the winning, the, that tweet? Yeah, I know they played crappy teams, but listen. Yeah, like, like I said, I, I think it could be regression of the means. They are barely beating these crappy teams as is. So, I mean, listen, all you got to worry about is winning those games right now because wins are wins. And I agree. Like, you know, find them and, and worry about if we're sitting here in game 80 and they still haven't haven't found a way to consistently beat good teams at the finish line. Yeah, then it's more concerning. But like just the fact that that they hadn't beaten anybody is just just a little just weighs on me a little bit. Yeah, yeah, we'll see. I still think it's a tad to really to fret about the close losses to good teams. As I said, they won a lot of close games at the very beginning of the year. There's been so many strides uh, there in clutch situations compared to last year when this was the worst clutch team in the league or around there. Remember, never won a game. They did not have a double-digit lead until January 16, 2016. Anyways, Chris, i got to sneak in away for a little bit to get in a word from our sponsors. We'll be back here with you in our Stats Busters segment right here on Celtics Beat on CLNS Radio. Today's episode is being powered by Blue Apron. Blue Apron's mission is to make incredible home cooking accessible to everyone. Blue Apron has become the number one fresh ingredient and recipe delivery service in the country. With December upon us, it's now the holiday season and Blue Apron makes the perfect holiday gift. Research shows that Blue Apron families cook together three times more often. This creates strong family bonds and actually saves money. 
Those who spend a lot at restaurants know it's super expensive. High-end grocery chains, fast food restaurants, buying for the whole family can become absorbent. With Blue Apron, you can spend under $10 per meal. In December, my personal menu will include braised cabbage with barley and glazed apples, Thai green coconut curry with sweet potato and jasmine rice, brown butter and chestnut gnocchi with Brussels sprouts, and pea shoot salad. And all that for just $10 per meal. Sound amazing? Well, today we are offering CLNS Radio listeners three free meals and free shipping. There's no risk involved, and you will love how good it feels and tastes to create home-cooked meals with Blue Apron. So don't wait. Treat yourself or a loved one this holiday season to Blue Apron, a better way to cook. Go to blueapron.com slash Celticsbeat to redeem your three free meals and free shipping today. Back here with Chris Forsberg of ESPN on our Stats Busters segment. Chris, I do want to cheat a little bit because I want to go back to that discussion in the second quarters, and I like you bringing that up because, as I said, that's something that only we have been talking about here on CLNS Radio because, you know, one trend I was following was the Celtics' record when they did or did not have a halftime lead, and prior to the Celtics losing a you know, key starter, Isaiah Thomas, a week and a half ago, and they ended up blowing two second-half leads, but the Celts were 9-1 and prior to the Thomas injury when they had a lead at halftime in games, and I thought that held a ton of relevance because there was a standard storyline for like the first 20 games was starters with Horford would get off to a big lead, reserve unit would come in, sometimes five men reserves, Brad's gotten away from that, but... They'd either blow it entirely or they'd barely hang on a said lead. Sometimes the starters were able to reassert themselves, sometimes not. That was New Orleans game is, is a reference of when they weren't to. But, uh, you know, it was if they had the lead at the half, they could go starter heavy in the second half, and that was usually good enough for the, for the rest of the game. Well, you know, and, I, I, and so I asked Brad about this in, in San Antonio. Like, I feel like he's still kind of searching. And it, I don't think that's unusual at this time of year. I mean, coaches that's are still kind of tink- tinkering. That was but, what we were hoping was was going to be a, a benefit was this year, was there, there would be a lot less experimentation like there was at the beginning of last year. That hasn't been the case. But so, you know, Yeah, ahead. but I, ju- I, I just think it, 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 it's mostly with those second units. It's just like trying to find the right combination. And so I think one of the things that's really hurt this team, and, and especially in the second quarters, has been – you know, Brad really likes that three guard lineup, but it stunk. It's like it, it it's been terrible, especially defensively. Uh, and I mean, I, I don't. He's quite always understand. liked three guards too. Even when Rondo yeah. was here, remember Rondo, Bradley, Smart, and in, in, in the first few weeks before Rondo was traded, he'd use it. He's always been a fan of three guards. I don't know if it's a college thing, but he's always been. Big <sighs> But like, it, I mean, it, it makes some sense. Like, you're playing your most talented players. Like, right now, your strength is in your backcourt. I understand why he wants to lean on it. But I mean, late in the first halves of uh, uh, of these games, they've just been really bad. And I don't, I, I don't even think it's really the, the five man reserve units. Like, you know, you're rolling Jarebko off at the start of the second quarters. Now, I feel like you know Rozier's picking up his play. Like, they're they're treading water at the at worst. I mean, sure, they've they've let a couple leads go, but I feel like they're that second unit is getting at least some chance here to to figure themselves out and they could be very good once they once they do that but i think the more troubling thing is like you know there are times when the celtics will be up a little bit you know midway through the second quarter and they start rolling back the starters and then all of a sudden that's when the team goes on the run and i, I that one i can't figure out and so it was interesting to me to see him on friday roll isaiah in you know at the start of the fourth quarter you know essentially saying 
we're not even going to give this a chance to get away from us. And even if we have to play a guy who's been out now 10 days for the entire fourth quarter, which goes against everything Brad Stevens believes in, you know, they're, they're going to do it because that's how badly they needed that win. I wonder if he'll, you know, we can't play him the entire second quarter, but they've definitely got to figure out a better way to stagger and get Al or, or get Isaiah on the floor earlier in the second quarter to, to sort of break up these lulls. Um, I completely agree. Like everyone, everyone when Isaiah was out was like, oh, this team has nobody they can lean on in the fourth quarter. Like fourth quarter scoring hasn't been a problem. Uh, like defensively, they've, they've had some, they've been giving up a little bit too many points and, and negating some of the, what they're doing. But, uh, yeah, the second quarter to me is the, the one that, that sort of jumps off the page. They got to figure out a way to, I mean, I think they were averaging something like, it's, it's right now that it's the league worst 23 points per game in the second quarter. And, uh, that's, that's not acceptable. Kelly Olenek is going to, and I want to get back on track with this segment, but this obviously I think is a really important storyline that very few people have been talking about. Kelly Olenek, I think, and he starting to show just a little bit. I mean, Friday night, uh, he had seven points, but I thought they were seven loud and really relevant points. But I think he's going to be that key guy. Now that you've seen Smart develop as a playmaker, Kelly and Kelly Olenek and Evan Turner had a little something going last year where they had some good chemistry together. You hope Smart and Olenek could run some pick and rolls and pick and pops, pick and pops especially, and they can get some sort of punch there. So actually, if there really was one silver lining of the Isaiah Thomas injury is it allowed enabled for further development uh, for Marcus as a playmaker. But now getting back on track with Statbusters. And back really, on track. Chris Forsberg of ESPN. And I know you're going to love this one, Chris, because this was a from a poster from the Celtics Reddit. Uh, this is a... <laughs> A AOL chat name throwback, if there ever was one. <laughs> Chatter Chatter forty five hundred put up a very concise breakdown, um, up with very you know various relevant and very concrete statistics from last year to this year, this year so far. That is, I actually believe it was up till December thirteenth, uh, which was Wednesday, I think, or Tuesday. Uh, but I, but I do suggest everyone listening uh, to check that out on the Reddit. And but one that that jumped right out. And I've kind of been charting this myself. Our opponents' true shooting percentages against the Celtics. I've been checking every few days, and and the Celts always seem to be around like eight or nine or ten-ish. So, I mean, I I just come to a that's a very simplistic and quick conclusion of oh, that's just all those offensive rebounds they give up. That's why they're still middle of the pack in defensive efficiency. But but chatter forty five hundred Celts opponents' true shooting percentage last year fifty three point one percent, and now it's fifty three point seven as of December thirteenth. So I'm not. Really going to let you answer this. I'm going to just give it 5.0 right off the bat. So <laughs> wow. Good job, Chatter4500. But some interesting conclusions that he had. Teams are shooting more threes against the Celts, and, and that could be leading to the Celts giving up more longer offensive rebounds and also limiting opportunities at forcing turnovers. Celts are averaging 2.5 less steals per game. Where do we start with this one, Chris? I, I think it's the steals one. I think that one's. I think that's way more important than the, the than what the, you know the, the, the true shooting numbers are. Like you said, I understand what your point is. Like that that they're they're pretty equal to last year, and that's an encouraging sign. But I think to me, the fact that they're not generating as many steals is is somewhat concerning because the the one thing that this team was able to do last year when its offense stunk was to, to generate steals and, and get easy points in and momentum they're not doing that. baskets too especially when those happen at home you hate for this type of uh, you know just like oh you got to make a play you got to make a play but there is something with those baskets especially when they're at home you know momentum basket they really get the crowd involved they just seem to demoralize the team if they occur at the right time but uh, yeah. <laughs> Go ahead. I'll give the I'll give the steals a four point seven on the, the the Richter scale because they they need to start creating that again. Like again, if defense is your identity, um, and, and again, I, I you want your team to be sound and in the right position so they're not giving up easy baskets and all that. But at some point, that's got to translate 
to more steals and, and, and more deflections and, and all that. And like, I look at Friday's game, you know, what, what turned the tide there in the third quarter? It was Al Horford blocking everything and getting going the other way and Isaiah leaking out there in the fourth quarter and getting the flagrant. Like, that's important for this team, and they need to take advantage of that, and they haven't done it. To it's this amazing point. that momentum, too, in basketball, like I said, especially at home, those types of plays that, that I just uh, sort of alluded to. And I, one argument I, I've been trying to make, I mean, what, what do you think? I always suggested that Isaiah, he's going to get really taken advantage of defensively as is. I don't know why he doesn't just specifically play the Iverson defense of just accept that you're going to get, you know, you're not really going to be able to, to commit really anything defensively and just play passing lanes and just gamble all game long. Play the Irish defense. Oh, I thought you were going to call it the Rondo. Oh. Like where Rondo would just roam around yeah. and earn, get enough steals to earn all defensive nods, which was preposterous. But no, I, I agree. Like I, 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 when they put him on like the, the guy who just stands in the corner, you know, limit it. Like, hey, just let, let Isaiah, he, he, he struggles on, on bigger guards. Let him go try and guard a wing who's just going to chuck threes and stand in the corner. Like mitigate what you can do with, uh, with his size. Here we go with this one. You're going to love this one. This is pretty much, I would say, the highlight of this segment from Sam <laughs> Sheehan. Celtics, and this My is especially after Friday night, too, with the, the whole storyline from that game. Uh, Celtics defensive rebounding rate with Jonas Jarepko and Al Horford on the floor, 80.8% month, month of November. Woo-hoo. I'm fanning myself off from that number. Wow. Uh, are you, do you know the hashtag, right? Start the Swede? Yeah, I've seen that hashtag yeah. enough, yes. We're, we're doing a close the Swede now because he, like, he's got to be on the floor to close games out. Too. You know what's, what's funny? And, 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 and so I think it's a small sample size thing, and I think it would resolve a bit like once they got more time together. But, um, you know, when you watch the Celtics games and you watch Jonas Jarebko on the floor, what do you see? You see a guy flying around, swatting rebounds, tipping rebounds, grabbing rebounds. A couple you weeks ago him. making every single shot. It was like NBA Jam. I mean, it was crazy. And then you watch Amir Johnson on the floor, and balls hit him right in the hands, and they dribble, trickle off and give up a, give up a second-chance basket, and you want to throw your remote at the TV. Uh, you know, the one thing that I think is tough is that the Celtics have been very good at the start of games, right? Like, that Amir Johnson starting lineup has 8-3 when they have that 5. They've actually started very well. Like you said, they're typically building good leads at the start of games. I don't think there's necessarily a need to, to tinker with that, but he, this goes back to the second quarter problem. There's got to be something Brad can find where, you know, you start with that unit, but then you you find a way to get your Rebco in there, and, 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 and maybe you bring Horford back earlier to start the second quarter, get him out of there midway through, because that pairing has been good, and there's a chance to put them together at the start of the quarter. I don't know if you then rest them a little bit and bring them back for the final six, uh, but there's a way to stagger and, 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 and take advantage of the fact that how good they've been um, because I don't think you need to necessarily overhaul the starting lineup. Like we've said it a hundred times, eventually it's going to be Horford and Kelly Olenek starting games. I, I just think it's like inevitable at some point. Like they play really good, like that play, sequence on Friday night where they were throwing cross court passes to each other and leads to the Kelly three. Like we'll see that. Oh more yes, eventually. the corner that 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 like I said when he had seven point points that was the loudest who. I that do, was great. I, I do like close the Swede because there is one little problem uh, when it comes to, with this whole Jonas Jarepko and Al Horford pairing. That big problem being is that the Celtics told uh, Al Horford that no, you, you know, yes, you get to play. Al does not like to play center. He doesn't like to play center. It was almost like Kevin Garnett. Uh, what was it, five six years ago? When yeah. yeah, Garnett was great at center that run of the Eastern Conference Finals, but KG didn't like to play this, the five. And, and with Al, 
You just signed him as a free agent. You told him that, yeah, you're pretty much predominantly going to be a power forward. Sure, we're going to use you in some small ball lineups at the five, but we'll let you play the, the power forward. You can't really go with it. I don't know if you can. You, cur- you certainly can, but you should try to make him happy in some regards, and you, you should play him at power forward. Yeah, Thus, hopefully, like, Kelly Olenek at five, maybe uh, he'll more. see he'll see he'll see the numbers. He'll realize like it, there's there's a benefit to having. I don't know. Yeah, I understand what you're saying. I just like if your options are, especially once Amir's off the floor, what do you do? Like pairing with Tyler Zeller? Man, no, like, no. Did, I, did I you, think you hope quick, to... quick tangent. Quick tangent. Did you have a worse prediction than Tyler Zeller? That was All-Star? a bad one. That was a bad one. I didn't say all. Now I noticed that you got a quick little embellishment in there, real quick about all star. I said uh, return to 2015 form. I didn't think that was way up. Yeah. Uh, Disastrous. I just wanted to bring that one up. Disastrous, no question about it, Tyler Zeller this year. Um, but I think really more so, I think would be incredibly beneficial. And this is, once we're stating the obvious, Al, the, the Celtics are going to need to get just a burly body. They're going to have to hope that they win that Andrew Bogut sweepstakes once that really starts Oh, to man, up. please, can, can, can we stop that rumor? Like, I, that, I hate that one. Like, Bogut's your dude you want to hit your wagon to? Like, oh, man. I mean, they need they need 18, 20 minutes uh, of, a, of a center there. And, and I, for many reasons alone, like I said, we can uh, just go on forever about this. But using actually to apply it to this specific example, I do think you want to get Al Horford a center that he can play with so he can play a good portion of his minutes at power forward, which is what he wants to do. But you know yes, what you can close with that Jonas Al Horford lineup. Do you know what the what backup big man has looked pretty good against them? Who? David Lee. Oh, right, yeah. <laughs> well, you need a little more, I you know. <laughs> I don't know, man. It's just funny. I, I, I thought that was like the best part is watching Twitter just totally erupt when. Uh, when every, every, two... Everyone seems to work pretty well on the Spurs, though. You knew that was going to be. A <laughs> yeah, thing. that one is thing, true. Too, that one is thing, true. Too, that Sam that, that Sam did throw at me, and this is actually a good argument that you want. Uh, you know, Jarepko on the bench, and, and once again, this I think is. But he he pointed out too uh, that he sent he sent an email to me. The true shooting percentages of Jarepko and Olenek when they're on the floor together with Marcus Smart, so a playmaking point guard. Uh, Olenek's got a Olenek's is seventy six percent on thirty four attempts. Jarepko. Now this I think just goes back to that ridiculous hot streak that he had. Uh, you know, and what was it like end of November or whatever? Yeah, yeah. Uh, but eighteen true shooting attempts, one hundred fourteen true shooting <laughs> percent. <laughs> That's crazy though. I mean, like again, it speaks give, to give me the like, number. Hey, give me, give me one, zero out of five. Give me the number. The relevance. Uh, I would give like it, right now. It's, it's just too small a sample. If you're, especially if you're just talking about the Allen and 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 Jonas lineup. But like in general, uh, your, your point to like those guys together on on second unit lineups. Like that, that's that's important. That's like a I don't know. That, that let's give that a four point two. Yeah, I like that one too uh, as well. That was a good job there, very much by Sam. Good job, really, uh, by everyone. I wanted to really, get, you know, I was going to throw another one. It's the um, Amir Johnson. Real plus minus. I, I wasn't feeling that. One, I guess one more one to go with because everyone's been saying this, so I really can't attribute this to, to really anybody, and that's the offensive rating of the team, which I believe was 118 going wow. into Friday's game with Marcus Smart on the floor with the starters replacing Isaiah Thomas. That's crazy to me. Like I, I, I was actually really surprised by that. Do you know what the defensive rating was nope. at that same time? I got to assume it's not it, – it like because that would – I mean – they haven't played well enough to, to really jump off the page. I've got to assume it's, like, inflated. They just haven't played great defense. And for whatever reason, when you think that Marcus is replacing Isaiah, you'd think there would be an uptick in that. I bet it's still, like, you know, 115 or something in, in, in that span. Uh, but the fact that they're averaging, it, it sort of goes back to what you keep saying. Like, 
Smart you know, development is a point guard. Ah, Marcus Smart is a point guard. We can like we can embrace this. Definitely. We can all hug this. And, 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 and he's this. and he's and he's better as a point guard because it was the beginning of the year. You want him on the ball. You don't want him off the ball yes. because then he's you're going to be seeing him shooting more. And if you've noticed, I thought over this last week, I think he took one bad shot against the Spurs. I remember it was right from the lower left wing, and I remember mm-hmm. he, he posed, and then the Spurs got a, a break on the other on the other end. But he's he took a lot less bad Marcus Schmart shots than, than he normally <laughs> did when he was playing point guard. There were a yeah, lot less and- of those. I thought he had a really bad game that San Antonio game. Like not just like, like you said, it wasn't so much shot selection. He just, he just didn't see him himself for whatever reason. Uh, you know, but I think in general we can be really encouraged by by what we've seen from Marcus. And just like you said, you know they got to they got to hammer it into him. Like, hey, your 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 biggest strength right now is creating, and that's kind of a surprise based on all the scouting reports. I think, I think up. he's getting there a little bit, a little bit. I think I think, I think, it, I think it's a lot of bit. Like he's. Really oh no no! Tough. I mean, I, I just mean it as overall just decision making. I, I, yeah, I, oh, playmaking okay, yeah. a lot, but yeah, taking less Antoine Walker shots. There's been a lot less <laughs> of those the last week and a half. He, he'll figure that out. Like I mean, listen, you know, and, and the problem is he's going to have a hot streak. You know, like maybe maybe now with the snow coming in, like they, 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 they he'll have like an off day. Oh uh, yeah, the off Marcus Smart off day. <laughs> the, the next Marcus Smart snow day is coming, but. Uh, no, I, I think I think it's really encouraging that from what we've seen. And like, listen, that Oklahoma City game, he was awesome. He was like, maybe always the best player he out always there. plays well there. He though. always plays great always there. Plays Loves well. Oklahoma. Yeah, I mentioned this Amir Johnson real plus minus. I had this one tweet, but I, like I said, I'm, I'm I'm not feeling that. I'm not feeling. Hit me, hit me I'm with not feeling. I'm not feeling Amir feeling Johnson it. real plus minus talk. I'm going to let Sam Sheehan or, or someone else write six thousand words on Reddit. <laughs> To, to, to dissect an Amir Johnson. <laughs> that was, you, pra- you, you. That was mean. You praised uh, no, Sam for a great. I, no, no, yeah, I'm, I'm gonna get. I would get because I know that he'd be better at that than me. I just, I, like I said, I'm just. It's, it's as simple as I just don't feel like it, ma. I don't feel like a ma. You know what I want to talk? I, 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 you know what I want to talk about? What do you want to talk about? I actually want to talk about movement watches. <laughs> I want to talk about movement watch, but you know, that's an amazing know, segment. With, uh, so yeah, yeah, I'll go in it right now because uh, I know you're going to love us in the other one, Chris. But uh, with movement, you can skip the crowds and standing in lines at the mall and find a gift they'll love and beat those absurd prices at the department stores. Movement watches start at just $95, whereas department store watches go for four to $500. Movement figure out by selling online. They were able to cut the middleman out and retail markup out as well, providing the best possible price. Classic design, quality construction, styled minimalism. Get 15% off today with free shipping and free returns by going to mbmtwatches.com slash Celticsbeat. These watches are clean and sleek, and their high-quality and classic designs will leave you getting compliments from your peers all over. Get it for you and your family and friends at movementwatches.com slash Celticsbeat. Join the movement. And styled minimalism, Chris. You know who needs style minimalism? Brad Stevens. No, the Spurs. <laughs> you were at that game Wednesday. I had to turn it off. I was actually – Celtics were out class that night by San Antonio. Did you, did you say you turned it off? But the the there's a reason why I did. You know, when, when it got – I think it was around 15 late in the fourth Be- quarter. Bedtime? I mean that was a uh, No, I watched it the next day uh, on, you know, first thing in the morning. I I couldn't watch the most maddening NBA game I watched with the Spurs playing music on every single offensive trip. <laughs> every single trip they spun a track. I'm not talking like little organ song. They were spinning a anywhere from AC/DC to some bizarre techno theme on it, every single offensive trip. I went berserk. What do you think Pop thinks about that? Like 
did do game ops come what? to say, hey man, we're gonna play music? What every I don't know, I don't get what the Spurs think. I mean, it's one thing if you're in like a Charlotte or a, or exactly or, or whatever, but it, the Spurs, it's you know, winning his franchise in professional sports the last thirty years, five championships. You'd think they have no issue drawing people to go to games, but there's someone in marketing that says, geez, you know what? What 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 is it that we need? Yeah, winning five titles over the last fifteen years. Nah, that that's good, but. Uh, <laughs> Uh, you know, we, we, we need music on every – yes, yes, that's what we – we need music on every single offensive possession of home games. Yeah, that's exactly what we'll do. That will go over really well. It, it, no, no, that was we, we, I couldn't watch we, anymore. We, we, we run the risk here of sounding like we're 80 years old and telling everybody to get their cat off Style our Style minimalism, but, though, is the way to go now in 2016. I kicked my uh, king-size match out last year, replaced it with a six-inch fut- futon. You saw Steve, Steve Jobs. All you hear about is he lived in a studio apartment. He had nothing but a, a lamp. Minimalist style, minimalism is the way to go, and, and we have this foolishness uh, still going on NBA games. It's really crazy. Like, and, and between Orlando, which has like a drum line on the baseline, and San Antonio, I, I practically went deaf on this last road trip, uh, in these last two road trips. I agree. It was almost jarring to come back because going from that San Antonio game to coming back to Boston, and part of it was like there was just no energy in that building on Friday night, but – it was almost jarring, like, oh, my God, like, it's so quiet in here. But no, that's not typical. Like, the fans are usually pretty rowdy and fired up. And uh, But, but yeah, I, I, I'd, I'd probably – as much as I'd like to consider myself young and hip, I'm with you here, actually. I'd, like, t- tone down the tunes. It's like there's no need to have your, your DJ spinning random yeah, tracks in the middle yeah, of a possession. That's the thing. There's no really rhyme or reason to it. It's just completely random. It's just, oh, let's just throw ACDC up. Oh, let's just throw this little techno song up. There's, there's no rhyme or reason to it. But Maybe uh, Kawhi likes yeah. it. Yeah. Maybe Kawhi's like, play those jams, man. I don't know. Less is more, as always. But that's Chris. I'd ask Pop, but he probably – I, I, we know what his response will be. That's Chris Forsberg, ESPN, ESPN.com. Follow him on Twitter. Like <laughs> you need like a, a, a zinger for like when you start that. Stay, less is more. Styled minimalism here. Simple, simplest. But follow Stats the man buster. On, follow the man on, man on Twitter at ESPN Forsberg. <laughs> Celts pregame with Surya Fernandez next, but here's what's coming up later today on the network. Thanks, Larry. This is Mike Nice of the CLNS Radio New England Patriots postgame show. And I'll be coming to you live on CLNSRadio.com alongside Marvin Azan immediately after today's huge Patriots game out in the Mile High City. We'll be taking your calls toll-free at 929-477-2386 to break down the Patriots game of the year with the AFC's number one seed on the line as Tom Brady looks to avenge last year's season-ending conference championship game. And after we're done, the Celtics are down in Miami looking to score a win in South Beach. Tip-off is at 6 p.m. Eastern time. And after the final horn, CLNS goes live with the Celtics postgame show. It's Patriots and Celtics Sunday on CLNSRadio.com live immediately after every game and on demand anytime, anyplace, anywhere on the CLNS Radio mobile app. Number to the Celtics postgame show, you know it by now, but a courtesy reminder, 347-215-7771 to get on the CLNS Radio Celtics postgame show live on CLNSRadio.com, syndicating on ESPN New Hampshire. And as Mr. Mike Nice just said, on demand, anytime, anyplace, anywhere, on the mobile app, CLNS Radio Celtics postgame show, I think I got to give a little more postgame show love and a little plug because here's a Christmas gift. Actually, I got two. Next Sunday, yes, of course. Goes without saying, Celtics beat Will Air first thing per usual. Christmas morning, the holiday, we're still going to be there. And not only will we be there, we've got a big, big guest. Well, we've we, we always got a big guest, right? But we figured a Christmas Day episode, we needed to make it a little special. We did. So 
big, big guest next week. That's just big guest. Notice how today I never touched upon the new CBA deal that was uh, agreed upon this past week. So could be saving it for next Sunday's show. So uh, please subscribe to Celtics Beat on iTunes if you haven't already. It would mean a lot to me, of course. But I believe you would be doing yourself a great disservice if you miss next week's show. And also, it doesn't end there. As stated about the Celtics postgame show, so Christmas Day, Celtics at Knicks, 12 p.m. Eastern time tip. After the game ends, immediately after the final buzzer, live on the website as well as ESPN New Hampshire Radio, take a wild guess at to who is hosting and who's taking your calls. Yep. Yes, I, I will go live on clnsradio.com after the Knicks game next Sunday, taking your calls toll-free. So I, I look forward to hearing from everyone, person to person, as we always do. But that's Celtics post game next Christmas Sunday. This is this Sunday, this Sunday morning. This is Celtics pregame. And as noted by now, but once again, another courtesy reminder, Sunday Celtics games mean no Celtics pregame on the News Feed channel. They are here on the Celtics Beat channel. So with Boston's 27th game of the season tonight down at the American Airlines Arena, Celtics victorious there 20 days ago, cruising to a 112-104 W. Boston has won four straight against the Heat, and they have not lost down in Miami since December of 2014. Real quick primer on the Heat. They have a record of 9-18, ranked 25th and 12th in offensive and defensive efficiency, respectively. Starting point guard Goran Dragic is the team's leading scorer and assist man. The big guy, Hassan Whiteside. He leads the Heat in rebounding, shot blocking, and efficiency. And joining us to provide a little more detail on the Heat is Surya Fernandez. Surya is a site editor for Hot Hot Hoops, the Miami Heat's SB Nation blog. Surya, welcome back to CLNS Radio. And I need you here to give me a little more detail than I just did about the Heat. I guess I should start off with the bet. Has there really been a consistent theme to Miami's losses this year? It's it's hard to get a good handle on this team because there's just been so many injuries. And almost to the point where it's like you just you're just waiting to see who's out uh, that game because uh, you know for the, uh, their last game you know they they uh, they get Justice Winslow back that's the second game back and then Tyler Johnson's out because he's sick and it's kind of like that it's just been like a revolving door of injury so it really is hard to really get a grasp of what what Eric Spolstra has on his roster because I don't think we've ever seen this team uh, at full strength this season. What has been working, though, for Miami? Because I did just mention they have the 12th-ranked defense. Is that pretty much all white side, or is there anything more there? You know, the Heat are always going to pride themselves on, on their defense, and, and we've even seen player, new players like, like Deion Waiters come in and, and really just like kind of get with the program, really. Uh, so I think, I think everybody, it's a team effort. But, of course, you, when you have somebody, an anchor like, like Hassan Whiteside, that really covers up a lot of mistakes. He can block shots. He, he can grab a lot of rebounds, too. Um, he's been grabbing a lot of offensive rebounds, too, on the other side. Um, of course, it's going to help. Uh, and that's going to make up for somebody maybe like a Goran Dragic that isn't as strong of a defender out in the perimeter. Yeah, I wanted to talk to you a little about that, Surya, because the Celtics have gotten in his head. What do you think is the sort of the secret for Brad Stevens to do that in these games against Miami? Yeah, they just have to be physical, <laughs> pretty much, because he's not going to get every call. Uh, he's, you know, uh, you, you just have to, you just have to bang him down low, right in the paint. Uh, that's really the only really thing you can do because he does have a lot of offensive tools and he has great hands. If they give him the ball anywhere near the rim for a lot, he will dunk it. So, um, if, if they get him involved early and often, uh, early and often on offense, then, then he's going to be plugged in. Uh, if he's not really getting the ball a lot or the Celtics are, are pestering him or kind of doubling him up when, whenever he gets the ball and, and forces him to make either a tough shot or, 
you know, maybe he has to pass it out. That's not really a strong suit. He, he likes to take it. Mention of the Celts have had some recent success against Miami as is. I mean, is this just a bad matchup for the Heat? It just seems like they don't have the guard play to draw mismatches on Boston's D. I mean, that and they just can't shoot, which is just not a recipe in today's NBA, uh, let alone against Brad Stevens' seasons. But am I wrong? I think that this is just a good matchup for the Celts because I know anything can happen on the road in the NBA, I, but I just don't see this one happening for the Heat tonight. Yeah, you know, probably not because, uh, and we just talked about it, how they're not at full strength. Uh, the the players that they had out uh, for their last game on, on the 16th, Tyler Johnson, Dion Waiters, and, and Wayne Ellington went out in the middle of the game as well. Those are the three best Heat shooters. And unfortunately, that's not saying a whole lot because um, you have a player like Luke Babbitt that really is on the team only because of his shooting. And they really need to get back on track, uh, you know, offensively. I mean, they have good spurts. Uh, and then, you know, then they kind of just like lose out at the end. I mean, they've had lost a lot of close games lately. So they really need to put a consistent effort, not just in the fourth quarter, but through all four quarters. And um, a key, if they are going to be as shorthanded as they were in their last game, they, they have to get Hassan Whiteside involved. And Goran Dragic has to be uh, super aggressive. And and the key, for I think, for the Celtics uh, is basically to uh, to defend the Heat um, not just on the perimeter, but but on inside because of the perimeter. If uh, if the Heat are going to be so shorthanded because they're going to probably be out at least three or four players, I, I think if they can, uh, like we were just talking about. All right, I got to cut that one right there. Surya's Wi-Fi was just getting a little too sketchy there, but that was Surya Fernandez, SB Nation. Um, you know, it's simple. We like the Celtics tonight. Yes, they are not playing well, but they got their feet wet a bit, especially in that first half, getting acclimated to playing with Isaiah Thomas back on Friday night. And there also should be some urgency for the Celtics, especially what's on tap this week. So this is really a key game they can kind of key in on. They're going to Memphis Tuesday night. Then they got a back-to-back at the end of the week. So, I mean, yeah, and also, really, I think the most important factor, as I said, I just feel confident about this because this is just a good matchup for the Celtics. As we pointed out, Boston is good at getting in Whiteside's head. Surya mentioned really how to do that, and the Celtics have been doing that under Brad Stevens with these last few games. It pretty much all hinges on Drogic. I mean, just as long as he's quiet, Boston really should not have to worry about much elsewhere. Miami just does not have the outside shooting to get really hot from beyond the three-point line and go on a run against Celtics. But uh, again, that was Surya Fernandez. I want to thank him for giving it a go. And I want to thank everyone who tuned in at episode number 188. Pre-game is a wrap, so that means we can wrap this show up a little earlier, and we will do so. Music for this show. What's provided by Will Rock, Chuck Deeds, and Steph Labrato. Be sure to follow us on social media. Our Twitter handle is at Celtics underscore beat. I am at CLNS underscore LHR. And you can like Celtics Beat on Facebook to keep up with the show at Facebook.com slash Celtics Beat. Once again, thanks to Hornets Color Commentator Stephanie Reddy and ESPN's Chris Forsberg for joining today's broadcast. Today's sponsors were Movement Watches, MBMTWatches.com slash Celtics Beat for 15% off your first watch with free shipping and returns. Audible, audible.com slash try now for free audiobook along with a 30-day trial period. And Blue Apron, blueapron.com slash Celtics Beat for three free meals and free shipping. One more extension of gratitude to the audience for making this podcast the number one podcast on the web dedicated to the NBA's winningest franchise. For staff writer Eddie Santiago, program director Justin Poole, and founder of the network Nick Jelsa, and myself, the executive producer and host, I'm Larry A. Trussell. See you Christmas Sunday for another edition of Celtics Speed, powered by CLNS Radio.